Welcome, welcome to our first installment of Sticking to Our Roots. If you're a farmer, if you own any agricultural land, and even if you're just working out in your backyard, you like to garden, this is definitely the podcast for you. Today, we're going to be talking about agriculture and what it means to be working on your land. Now, we have a very pronounced poet. His name is Wendell Berry. And we're going to be analyzing five specific poems. We're going to be getting in, um, people to come in, see their perspectives, their experiences, how it inspired them maybe, what the poem means to them. That's what today's topic about. Topic is about. And we have our first caller. His name is Sothic Nariana from Fairfax, Virginia. He attends Chantilly High School. Before I hand the mic off to my dear friend and viewer, Sothic, I just want to give a quick rundown of the poem so Sothic really understands what we're talking about here. So the poem is What We Need Is Here, obviously by Wendell Berry. And the poem essentially describes Wendell Berry's connection to the land. And Wendell Berry is essentially saying through his voice in the poem that he believes that all we need is the land. The land is his home. The land provides his sustenance. All the materialistic factors that apart from his land are essentially meaningless. And that's why he states specifically through his descriptors, through his diction, he talks about how the earth is necessary to him and all he needs is his land. Thank you so much for shorting and letting me join this podcast. It really means a lot to me. Um, as I, come, I do come from an agricultural background, and I'm deeply invested in this topic. So actually, a little background on me is I came from India at a very young age, and um, farming has been in my blood for several generations. And this poem, What We Need Is Here, by Wendell Berry, speaks really a lot to me because he talks about the simplicity that is present within the poem. And actually one of the things I noticed when I came here was how almost materialistic and artificial a lot of individuals who lived in the United States were as they put so much emphasis and value on material things, just clothes or like the shoes they wore or like the technology they had. And I actually became a lot more conscious about a lot of these things after I came here because when I came in India, a lot of the things that like the things like clothes, shoes or the technology I had were actually not that relevant. And um, not only were they not relevant, but even if they were present, many people didn't use them as a comparison point. Um, and Barry talks about um, an analogy of geese and how no matter how far they stray from their original path, they always know where to come back. And they always know that their original land where they came from is where all the resources are. And that's a similar thing to what I experienced in India as no matter how far I went, even though I live in America now and this is where I settled – um, it doesn't really matter because in all honesty, what I truly need is back home in India and everything I need to live off the land is there. Um, and it's a lot more calming and serene there. And it really means a lot to me. That was a beautiful analysis, Southwick. And, you know, coming from an agricultural family in Karnataka myself, you know, I really... I was able to completely connect with what you were saying. It makes a lot of sense. You know, when I came to the United States, a lot of my materialistic values just completely um, were emboldened, frankly. I never had those materialistic beliefs when I was in India working on the farmland. But our next poem is, is Woods, again, by Wendell Berry. And he discusses how he's among wildlife. He's um, part of the thrusting branches. There's singing around him, referring to the trees and branches around him. And there's vision around me. Even though he's silent and all obviously, even though the trees are also silent, I mean, trees can't speak from what I know, but he still feels as if the nature is speaking to him. He feels as if he's silent 
while everything else is completely loud. He feels, he feels the blessing from the trees, the, thr the thrusting branches. There's flight around him. There's a lot of movement around him. He doesn't feel as if he's lonely in the woods. He feels as if the trees and the branches are other people. What do you have to say about that, Salthik? Thank you so much for inviting me once again, Shori. So personally, out of the five poems that we were talking about today, Woods by Wendell Berry is actually my favorite. And the reason is it really, really speaks to me. It's really personal to me. So when I was um, actually back in India around when I was three or four, um, I would go every Friday to the local guava tree in one of our guava farms to tend to the crop. And actually, um, I was pretty reckless as a four-year-old. Um, so it was really hot. And on the way there, I'm pretty sure I actually fainted, if I remember correctly. Um, and I was not with my parents or locals, um, as the walk was actually not that far away from the house. So it was not that big of a deal. And I'm pretty sure it was due to dehydration. But regardless, I still felt like when I woke up, I felt that I was still part of a community. And I actually felt really safe. Um, and I felt still like the sense of unity as if, you know, like now I was sitting next to my family at a Thanksgiving dinner, I still felt the same level of comfort. And it was truly like connecting to the poem. It was like, like Wendell Berry talks about like nature was around me and serenading me with its blessings. And actually rereading this poem, it's like giving me a flashback to how I felt that day and how I looked so differently at life. And like, as I was almost as if nature was its own entity rather than just like this abstract concept, how it was actually living and breathing and intertwined with my own life. And it really inspired me to, you know, be more careful around it and really tend to more towards it. And it like enabled me to have this new appreciation for nature. And I'm really thankful for that. Once again, a really great reflection, Sothic. You know, it seems our next caller is also Sothic again. No, it seems Salting is our only viewer at the moment. Maybe we need to work on advertising a little bit. Anyways, our next poem is called The Wish to be Generous. And in this one, Wendell Berry, personally, this is my favorite poem by far. And essentially in this poem, he's talking about how all the materialistic values that he's been associated with, for example, um, people when they own a car, people when they own like um, an iPhone or an iPad, all that's going to go away. When we die, it won't matter anymore per se, right? All of our materialistic goods are meaningless. And I quote, he says, all that I serve will die, all my delights, the flesh kindled from my flesh, garden and field, the silent lily standing in the woods. However, the trees that he plants, all the, all the agricultural boons that he was able to yield over the years, all that is going to stay. All that is going to stay for years and years after he dies. Essentially, he's leaving his mark on Mother Earth. And I think it really spoke to me because when I came to the United States, I know we already talked about this a little bit, but I bought my iPhone, Right. And it meant so much to me. But when I was in India, I never owned a phone, never even a flip phone. You know, so what are your thoughts on this, Salvik? Thank you for inviting me once again, Shori. And unfortunately, I am your only viewer at the time. So maybe we do need to work on advertising. But moving on, I'm here to analyze once again, The Wish to be Generous by Wendell Berry. So this poem is really interesting because he talks about being generous, obviously, but he takes a much more dark side to it. So the first half of the poem, his purpose is to establish that anything he does is essentially trivial. Like he's like, he says that anything I do will, quote, all will burn in man's evil or dwindle with its own age. So what he's saying is that even if man's evil wouldn't like doesn't exist, which it obviously does, but even if it didn't, time would take its toll on any progress he's made on something. 
and it would eventually render it meaningless. However, in the second half of his poem, he takes a much more positive and hopeful outlook on his life and the actions he's made as he states that he wants to pass his little light taken from him into the seed of beginning. So any effort he makes, he wants to pass like he wants to pass away knowing that he's made a positive impact on this earth. And in all honesty, reading this was so motivating for me and inspired me to join the hashtag save trees moment. And that movement that I joined was so meaningful to me, and this author really made an impact on my life. And going on from what he stated in the poem, even though he sometimes I feel like a tree passing um, without haste, he wants to feel no regret toward what will be. He wants to feel no regret in his life, in his actions. Even if anything positive he does will essentially be rendered useless, he wants to die knowing consciously that he facilitated a positive change, even if that only lasted for a fixed amount of time. And his purpose about being unconditionally generous towards not only other individuals, but your surroundings, such as Mother Nature, is evident through this. And a lot of perspectives on a lot of actions I do that I initially thought trivial, like, oh, if I just plant a couple trees now, I won't even see the results, maybe even after how after I die, because some trees take a really long time to mature and reach the full um, height and whatnot. But after reading this poem, even if some progress I make is not able to be enjoyed directly by me or my direct people who are related to me, even if other generations are able to enjoy the fruits of my own labor, I still have that mindset that that's okay and that's good. For You should make actions for the sake of humanity and for the benefit of the people, no matter how long those seeds you planted will take in to ripen into the fruit that you wish to have seen. Wow. Beautiful analysis. Thank you, Shori. Thank you so much. You know, before we move on to these next two poems, I just want to take a quick break and read out a quote, one of my favorite quotes, actually, from Wendell Berry. In an interview, he said, eating is an agricultural act, purely and simply. What are your thoughts on that, Sothic? Well, Shori, given the state of our increasing masses, I think this is beautiful to justify our physical state right now. And I mean, moving aside from that topic, um, I do believe that eating is an agricultural act, and it is so simplistic and beautiful, but the joy of eating actually brings so many cultures and peoples together. Something as simple as a fusion dish or just sharing your culture with someone and like something like a naan or maybe a piece of sushi could facilitate a new friendship and could lead to business conversations, lifelong connections. It really means a lot. I think this beautiful quote by Mr. Barry. You know, it's a really great analysis, Salting, but I really think you should cut back on the eating, you know, just for your health's sake. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. Maybe you should too. Oh, but- I do agree with that. All right. Moving on to our fourth poem called The Vacation, Wendell Berry describes how tourists will often never actually embrace the nature that they are always recording and taking pictures of. And I think that I, I really do see this. I see where Wendell Berry is coming from. To give some context about the poem, um, Wendell Berry is essentially discussing how he gives an anecdote about a tourist, a man, who came to a farmlander, a, a nature, nature preservation, and he's going through taking snapshots, recording everything. But at the end, Wendell Berry essentially says that he was never actually in the na- nature. He was never actually entranced or uh, observing the nature or never truly embracing it because he was constantly taking pictures. And I, I, think, that, I, I think it's really clear that Wendell Berry's position is that we shouldn't be constantly being 
focus on our materialistic values because he's he, who cares if you take the picture and send it to Facebook? It won't matter. It's materialistic at the end of the day, right? All we can do in our lives is just be happy, embrace nature, and live on our land. What do you think, Salfik? Once again, it is Salfik back here. Um, and this time we're analyzing a poem called The Vacation by the esteemed poet Wendell Berry. So in my friends group slash family circle, I often get a little, little bit of banter here and there directed towards me for not liking pictures and not being a whole picture kind of person. And I think Wendell Berry also tackles this kind of like not being a picture person, not liking photography, but <clears throat> takes a much, much, much more meaningful approach to his reason behind it. So in this poem, he talks about this man who was part of a family who was accompanying him on his own vacation and essentially it was the same vacation but the only difference was he had this man recorded everything while Wendell Berry did not so Wendell Berry like addresses the positive he concedes part of his argument as in he would have access that man would have access to any part of the vacation at any given moment since he recorded the entire thing however he makes a very solid point at the end is that he would have access to that, but he himself physically would not be in it. He would not have the same experience and he would not be able to relish the joy of that actual vacation. He would be too caught up in the moment. And I think personally, this speaks a lot to me also because I have a similar mindset in that I personally don't enjoy photography and pictures, not on the basis that I'm not like photogenic or whatever, but on the basis that it, for me, it's too much of like, I'm not actually enjoying the moment and I'm, it's more of like, oh, what's gonna be on Instagram the next day and something that as trivial or artificial as that. And I think that through this poem, I was able to truly learn about, hey, you need to like really put down the camera sometimes and just really put down the phones and what else is there and really live in the moment. Because the thing is, even if you have all these memories, if it's good to have a balance per se, it's good to have some pictures, but not too many because then you won't be in the picture. You'll remember everything that happened, but you won't remember what you were doing. You won't have any nostalgia, any happiness attached to it. And that's really bad. You need to have your own personal touch in every picture, in every moment, in any given instant of time that should have been memorable. And you can't erase yourself from a picture by taking too many. Um, moving on to our last poem, The Peace of Wild Things. You know, I said that the third poem is my favorite poem, and I don't think this poem is my favorite poem, but I think the rhyme scheme is really great in this. Not necessarily the rhyme scheme, but I think it flows so well off of my tongue because it starts off, when despair grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. He, he essentially is rhyming the first and third line, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just a weird guy, but it just feels really nice when I say that. Um, now let's get to the content of the poem. Um, Wendell Berry, another beautiful representation of what it's like to live on an agricultural farmland, he's discussing how he feels sad when he's not with nature, but when he's with nature, he feels whole. He, 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 I come into the peace of wild things, he states, who do not tax their lives with forethought. When he's living, when, when he goes to the city, I, I assume Wendell Berry's been to the city. I mean, he's a prolific poem, poet, poem and novelist. When he goes to the city, he doesn't feel like, he doesn't feel whole. He doesn't feel as if he's with nature. He feels kind of uh, he feels kind of disingenuous, right? Because he, he's constantly taxing his life with forethought. That's what he says in the poem. But when he's with nature, he says, "I am free." And I, I, personally, I connect to it. What, what about you, Southwick? Once again, um, thank you so much, Shori, for 
inviting me back to analyze The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. So I have yet another anecdote to analyze this story in a more engaging manner. One of my dear, dear friends, Beach Dabila, has anxiety. And he actually uses nature therapy to cope with it. And in some cases, he's actually able to use it to overcome it altogether. So diving into the poem a little bit, um, Wendell Berry talks about just simple ordained human thoughts such as and confronts dark thoughts such as anxiety, depression, um, and just over-worrying about things that are not in his control in the future. And he talks about birds in their natural aviary. And he talks about how carefree they are and how free they are of these earthly um, attachments and how they're not attached to some sort of tether. Um, And he talks about how when he enters the environment that these birds inhabit, which is his local lake next to him, um, he enters this like almost trance in which he's no longer concerned about his things um, that could used to bother him. And he talks about how peaceful it is. And he talks about the stars and how they just follow the same routine every single day and don't worry about things that may change or may not change. And he longs to be like the stars and the free birds, the heron, and the hawk that watches over him. And he talks about how this setting is his escape, his actual like escape from not reality, just escape from the suffering. Um, and he is able to confront reality in a more controlling way. Like he has more control over his own situation. And for me, this poem meant a lot. And this poem actually meant a lot to my dear friend, Beached Baila. Um, and for me, I learned a lot about how I can't control the past and I have some say in the future, but that itself is also minimal. Um, and it taught me about how to really live in the moment and make the most out of the moment and don't dwell too much on what may happen or what could have happened because that no longer is my concern. I just have to go with what happens. I have to make the most out of every moment that I can control in the present. Um, and that's what I learned from this poem. And personally, this is one poem that I really enjoyed a lot as it took such an interesting take on it and how he was able to connect nature to such a serious concept for me really meant a lot. That's all we have for today, folks. I just want to thank our audience for tuning into or, or our one viewer, my bad, for tuning into this week's session of Sticking to Our Roots. Um, I really hope you can make it into next week's session. We're going to be talking about how many turkeys can Sothic eat before the earth is unable to feed anyone else?